Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wilford sets off upfield. He wants a speedster to run onto it. He might be the quickest. Oh, he kicks. He kicks ahead. And now Corey Oates will come. Oh, Oates with the one-handed pickup. How about that? Asako in behind them. He's confused. He didn't know whether to kick or whether to run. He takes the ladder option. Jermaine Asako will score. fans and welcome to the round 24 recap episode of Broncos Weekly. As always, I'm Mitch. I'm joined online by our good friend Simo. How are you going, Simo? Yeah, not too bad. How about yourself? I'm okay. I'm, I'm, I, I'm not as weird. Sorry, I don't feel as weird as I thought I would after we won last Friday. <laughs> so I've been okay since. Um, yeah, well, I had like last Friday was, again, I was, had something on. So I caught the last like 10 minutes on my phone. Mm. Um Trying to be social, you know, but then like once once it gets down towards the crunch, you still got to like you sneak away and watch it on your phone. Um, but yeah, then watch the the rest of the game the next day. But uh, well, for me it was good because I clinched my bet, which I've been like nervous about all year. But so it was yeah. definitely very happy for me. Yeah, it's quite funny. I watched that game at the pub with like um, Campo, Nick Campton, everyone should know by now if you listen to any of my podcasts from the Daily Telegraph. Him, another friend, Matt Coleman, Coleman another friend, Edwin Smith, and then uh, a friend of Campo's. And we're at the pub watching it. And Eddie's a, a Parramatta fan. And before the game, like Campo's like, yes, I know you, you know, you keep saying you're down on the Broncos, but he's like, you, do, you don't want to miss finals. I was like, ah, uh, I don't know, you know, blah, blah, blah. He's like, no, no, I'm telling you from a fan who has missed finals, even if your team is shit, you want to make the finals. I was like, uh, okay, if Campo's telling me it, you know, I could probably be talked into it, he might be right. And then the game starts, and as you know, we, as we both know, when the game's on, I'm always cheering for us. And, you know, when we, when Fafita had that massive run at the end, I did give up, and, you know, Asako kicked the field guy, did get up and scream, like whooped into the air, and then gave Edwin double, you know, double fingers in the, in the fucking right in his eyes to tell him to go fuck himself. And then, and then I was so bad, security came and spoke to me about my behaviour, but whatever. <laughs> then, um, but yeah, like, you know, it's like whatever. But then after like five minutes later, I'm like, fuck, we're going to make the finals with this, this, this team. <laughs> I just. I mean. It would be funny if the Tigers and the Sharks organised like a six-six draw. If we lose to the Bulldogs, obviously, if that, if that yeah. plays out, it'd be hilarious. I just yeah. the first thing I would do is I would log straight back into Facebook and like just live, like be refreshing all the Broncos Facebook groups because there would be some amazing content. Yeah, 
yeah, it is it is great at the moment, isn't it? And it is one thing, we'll get into the proper game review in a second, but one thing that's been funny that's been going, oh my God, Marcus Harris got out third, fourth ball. <laughs> this is going to be one of those podcasts. No, Warner got out, sorry. Oh, classic Someone Warner. Someone got out, I don't know, because I've got, just got it on. I don't want to watch the game whilst we're podcasting, but I've got Google on my second screen. My Lord. Anyway, okay, back to what we're talking about. Okay, so... <laughs> On that, people keep sharing that, you know, if 100% conversions were kicked ladder, you know, if your team kicked every goal or if your team kicked every, missed every goal, where you'd be on the ladder. And everyone keeps looking at the Sharks and being like, geez, they'd be third if it wasn't for goal kicking. And people keep forgetting that if they look at that ladder, we'd be like 13th or 14th. <laughs> like, that's just how we've, like, got through on the skin of our teeth this this year. Like, we stole the win against the Sharks, scoring less tries, stole the win on Friday, scoring less tries, and the draw against... The Warriors, thanks to Dick Arima wanting revenge field goals, we also got the draw, scoring less tries. And we're in the top eight with a negative four and against. And there's two teams below us with positive four and against. <laughs> I, there's definitely stuff to, like, worry about. And, like, I think that four and against is definitely something to look at. As far as that ladder goes, though, like, I just... I think I must be the only person who just doesn't care about it. Like, how we've, we've talked about before how, like, Jimmy the Jet would go length of the field and, like, you pay him f- for that skill, like... We pay Asako to have a good goal kicker. Yeah. Like, that's, that's you know, other teams pay ASAN Masters that misses half his goals. Like, Oh, the goal kicker, I don't care about. I'm just saying it's our luck. It was all showing. Like, well, we, like, that we've won, you know, those games or got results in games we scored less tries. And, yes, that's the reason why we have we pay someone like Asako to swing those kind of games. Yeah, and then, like, on the Sharks one, too. Like, you know, maybe if you pay for a goal kicking coach, you'll win some of those games. Yes, like, it's exactly. It comes down to what you want to spend your money on. And, like, if you just don't respect goal kicking and those two points all the time, like, you're going to lose games. How, like, yeah. going back a few years, how many games did we lose to the Warriors in New Zealand because Corey Parker missed goals from, like, 10 beside the uprights? Yeah. Oh, like, you know. We lost to Manly when we, we outscored them, two, I think, two years running or similar because of that. Yeah. But, yeah, in those three games, I mean, oh, so... The Sarko didn't kick for the Sharks or Warriors games, but again, in those games, uh, Stags kicked four from four. Oh, no, it wasn't the Warriors game we stole. I can't remember the other game we stole with less tries, whatever. But Stags, sorry, Stags kicked four from four against the Sharks, and the Sarko kicked uh, the two from two conversion, two from two penalty goals this week against the Eels. Whereas Moses, you know, missed... They were difficult kicks, but you have every right to kick every second kick from the sideline at minimum. Yeah. That, that was the difference there. Anyway, um, so, so as you said, they missed the finals. If somehow people have missed this. No way they missed it by now. We have to lose this weekend, and the Sharks and Tigers didn't have to play out a draw. And because obviously their four and against is better than ours, they would then slip into the finals. But the likelihood of that happening is like 0.00-something percent. So we are a finals team, and I guess, yeah, that's a thing. <laughs> Can We're going to win a finals it? game, I feel like. <laughs> All right, like... As, as much as it comes down to, like, we've been disappointed in the team this season, like, you have a finals, you have a big game, like, you can definitely see us beating, like, Manly without, with, like, the injuries they've got. I think, you know, if they still got Tommy T, probably they're the def- the clear favourite of the bottom four in the top eight. But without, you know, with some of the injuries they've got, or Parramatta, you could definitely see that happening, like... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, how odd if if you made it to, like week two of the finals I doubt you'd make it past week two because then you're going to come up against like Raiders or you know someone that I think Rabbitohs maybe like definitely a step up those teams 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, you know, you'd I wouldn't say we'd beat Manly down down in Sydney without Tommy, but now it's like you look at Eels or Manly in Sydney who will be playing, and you're like, yeah, okay, we're we're a really good shot of beating those two teams. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you just yeah, yeah. I think you definitely would be yeah, on okay. the day, like people say about like grand finals, like on the day, one game, anything can happen. Okay, let's kick off the official actual review of this game then. So, <laughs> Friday night, Broncos 17, Parramatta Eels 16. Only the two tries from us, Dave Feeder and Darius Boyd. Three tries to the Eels, Sevo, Ferguson, and a really soft one by Kane Everson's late in the game. As I said, uh, perfect penalty and conversion rate from Isako. Moses missed two conversions. And then Isako banged the match winner one minute into extra time after having... You know, one of the one of the more unfortunate field goal misses about two minutes earlier with a, with like a forty five meter attempt that hit the upright. I, I thought for sure that was going in. Just like the crowd went up, Clint Me, Gutherson yeah. standing underneath the post, like all, all the signs were there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, all the signs were there, and it just like banged the post. Um, but I mean, well, the flip side of that is then you get the Dave Fafita run. So, and like, how good was he too? Oh, he was, and I, you know, well, I've got numbers and stuff ready for him. But as we know, having him in pass has been carrying this side for a few weeks. But Fafita's last run, like he said, he had the run before the first field goal attempt. But the last one comes from like Sigiaro darts from dummy half, has a good little run, you know, thirty F from our line, breaks a tackle or whatever, and then offloads to Boyd. Boyd does the usual thing and panics and throws it at Fafita. So it's just again Fafita just drifting back infield and just runs over grown men, multiple grown men. <laughs> You know, straight over the top of Reed Marnie, through other forwards, and just gets chopped down like 15 out by Gutho. And you just knew, well, that's it, game's over. Because that play of the ball was so good. Like, he got down there, they were on the back foot, we were kicking the next field goal. I don't give a shit at that boy blocker. It was, it was illegal play, but we are kicking the field goal with or without boy blocking Gutherson. No, I just heard that the Jets are, like, interested in Boyd for an offensive lineman. <laughs> please, please take him, but... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we already knew Fafita was incredible, but now he's taken over. If you include games off the bench, he's now got the most tackle breaks of any forward. He's leapfrogged Payne Haas, so he's got 92 for the season. And he had, what, 15 this week and 17 last week, which is ridiculous. That's um, crazy. It's crazy. I did find out the all-time leader, by the way. The all-time number one is Preston Campbell with 20 tackle breaks, and number two is Inglis with 18. So he slides into, I think he's in equal fourth because someone else is 18 as well with 17 tackle breaks in the game already. But anyway, he slides into 92, leading all forwards. But in his 12 games, he started in the back row. 12 games is all he's played in the back row. He has 75 tackle breaks in those games, and he's like by far and away the most tackle breaks of any back row on the comp. Ridiculous. So he's um, you know, a dangerous ball runner, and it's just, a, you know, as any Broncos fan can tell you, it's about bloody time he's been getting big minutes. And there's absolutely no way... There's no way he doesn't. He's not an 80 minute player from here forward in his Broncos career. Yeah, I like. I just don't know how you can watch that and and decide. Yeah, let's put like Alex Glenn back. Anybody like that's just. There's no one you can put in front of him. Like it's ridiculous. You know he's and uh, but you know we got him there and you know we got Payne Haas in the middle. It makes the job easier for everybody else. Hey, just so much easier. Like or, like imagine like just throwing the ball to a 19 year old kid and they're just win the game <laughs> at this point we're at it's great yeah I mean like I I probably would have been 
I think Saka would have been able to have a decent crack from that far out, like obviously he did a minute before, but just to get that close and then, yeah, like you said, everything, yeah, them all on the back foot, easy field goal. You won't hit an easier one. Mm, exactly. Exactly damn right. And it is unfortunate thing about, about Haas and, and uh, Fafida is like, if you threw two 19-year-olds into like, and I'm not saying, oh, Wayne this, Wayne that, but you threw those two 19-year-olds, the form they're in, into a better Bronco side, like a team that was like, stronger when the season started. We're 2015 probably, Broncos. Yeah, 2015, you know, 20, 2008, 2012, even, or was it 11, whatever, into a better Broncos side and we win the competition. Like, yep. we probably piss it in. It's the kind of stuff like when Benji burst onto the scene, the Tigers win a comp, or you had like at the 2003 Panthers, you had like Luke Lewis, Luke Rooney, whatever, burst onto the scene on a, on a rookie contract and they win the comp, you know? Sonny Bill, the Bulldogs, all that kind of stuff. Those kind of guys coming onto the scene, playing on rookie contracts, and I know is on a bit of money, but still on rookie contracts, undervalued money, no one knows how good they are yet, performing out of their skin. Those are the things that can win you competitions if your team's already good, but unfortunately... Instead of dragging us from like sixth to second or to first, they're dragging us from a team that should be like fourteenth to seventh. <laughs> yeah, no, oh, well, it is what it is. It is what it is. I mean, it's fantastic we have them, and I just love every other day now. Another another club's interested in David Vavita, and that's a real shock. People want David Vavita, Simo. Really? What a surprise! <laughs> like other teams want good players in their side. Mate, it's mate. Mal's figured it all out. You should have the Titans. <laughs> He got Fafita's high school wrong, which is great for him. There's only two good footy schools on the Gold Coast, and he picked the wrong one. Fafita from Palm Beach Crumb, but he said, but, mate, they're after him now too. Whoa. Mate, look it's only, it's only taken Mal eight months, but he's figured out that the Titans should sign good players. Yeah, I know. That's it. He's figured it all out. Problem solved. Simply, we'll stop paying over, overpaying average players, and we'll start overpaying good ones. <laughs> that's your guy. Uh... That's the man to take that club forward. Yep. Um, also, who else in this game? How how good does Darius Boyd feel when he has like does anything and he gets buckets of praise heaped on him this year now? I just I feel he only even had like I've had like multiple people tell me like oh this is the best game he's had like all year and it's like he's done next to nothing but I feel like he's only done this because of all the talk about forcing him to retire. <laughs> And he's now, like, trying, like, 3%. He's still only touched the ball 24 times for a half. Again, the same amount of times as Payne Haas. <laughs> I mean, just put Payne in the halves. I don't care. Yeah. Like, And he was he was okay in this game. He did have that one really nice dummy half run. And, yes, he chased the kick and put the ball down. But, again, he, he had two dummy half runs in, like, the first set, that next run, and he didn't run the ball again for the entire game. <laughs> and, again, yeah, but- left-hand side attack sucks. Like... You say he's okay. Remember when, like, Milford would have an okay game in the halves and everyone would be like, yeah, that's what you want from your million-dollar player, just an okay yeah. game. Like, and yet this guy gets, oh, it's the best game he's played all year, he's back, like, he's, you know, he's playing well. And, like, uh, it, I mean, it's super obvious, but just the bar is literally set, like, three centimetres off the ground for this fella. It is. You'd have games Milford would run the ball, like, 12 times and fans would be mad. Didn't carry the ball enough. Wasn't involved enough. But now Darius, like he said, the bar is it is set right near the ground, and then that's what he said. It was kind of trip over it, and there he is. He had a good game. It's just like I mean, we've said so much about Boyd already this year. I don't know what else you can really that's say. It. It's just say, maddening. That was, was just funny. That's all I'm saying. What I will wrap though in this game, and whilst the, the Eels didn't 
throw a lot of good play or anything at us. Our defence did do quite well in this game. I know we conceded three tries, but I thought we defended pretty solidly. You know, we made, what was it, five or 600 less metres than them. They had a few more line breaks than us. And Mike Acevo was, like, slapping Tony Staggs off him easily any time he carried the ball out of his end, it felt like. But near, near you know, our own 20 or so, we did pretty well, I thought. I mean, Kane Evans' last try was really, really soft. But there's off a hit up there. They didn't really test out our goal line D for most of this game. So I was pretty happy with that. And I guess that is the main thing that's improved this year. Outside of relying on Haas and Fafita to do everything, our defense has got better as the year rolled on. Yeah, uh, definitely. Like Moving Nick Aramer on is going to help that yeah. a lot. Oh, 100%. Um, but yeah, I, like, I remember at the start of the year where if we conceded a seven-tackle set, we conceded a try. Um, yeah. It definitely does it. Like, yeah, it is, the defense is a lot easier to trust now. It is, and you know, on top of the Nick Rainbow on, obviously, like, and I never thought Milford was as bad of a defender as people thought he was in the line. I will say, Boy is probably defending better than him in the line, which is fine. But also, Milford's doing a way better job at fullback than Darius Boyd was doing. So that defense across the whole has got, has got a lot better. Like, it's not like when teams break the line now they score because yeah, well, that that was happening every time because Boyd would make a business decision, whereas you see, like, Vunavalu try to run over Milford and just get smacked, you know, like... Yeah. Yeah. Swapping those two has helped both positions. Like, I... Boyd has always loved defending in the line. That was never his problem. Yeah, and outside of getting embarrassed by Ramian, he was getting embarrassed, like, three times a week at fullback. That's pretty much how he's been embarrassed in defence since he's moved to to 5'8", so... You know, that, that that has worked for our defence. Obviously, I still have a lot of question marks over our over our offence. Like, we just don't have any set plays, any shape, and that left-hand side's dead. Like, Corey Oates never looks like scoring a try again with this current structure in place, but what can you do? No, I mean, uh, yeah. Let's talk about, though, um, Sean O'Sullivan. I thought he was good in this game again. And one thing I am loving is that at least he's playing, you know, our right-side half. But he is coming to the left on on occasion and giving short balls to Fafita and trying to do other stuff. But he just, we've said it a few times, just looks like a halfback. And I thought he had another solid game, and that's two in a row now. And it just, it feels, it feels the wrong call to drop him, if you ask me. Yeah, I, like, I don't get why you would drop somebody that is a halfback and is doing well there for somebody that is just makeshift in that position. Like, it's just... He hasn't given me anything to like as a reason to drop him from there. Like, just he's not injured. Just keep playing him. Like he was doing well. He was, you know, looked good. Fafita was playing well there. Like as you said, when he'd go around across there, it's just uh, I, this. Some of this stuff, like I'm just going to go through this stuff now. <laughs> this is as good a time as any. Go. But like on Seabold, I feel like. Some people are probably going to think I've been fairly negative. I feel for the most part this year I've been fairly, like, neutral, maybe, like, neutral negative. Because, like, obviously I want him to do well because if he does well, the Broncos are going to do well. And, like, he's done some stuff that makes sense, which is mainly just moving on players. Like, Kahu was definitely the right time or a year too late. Maguire was dead on the right time. Cody, great decision. Sua, even better decision. Like, he's done some stuff that makes sense, which... But then he's done, like, a lot of stuff that just doesn't make sense. And so I just haven't really been sure what to, like, 
think of like, is he going to sort this out? You know, but like, so I've got here a list of things, and there's probably more of yeah. things that just don't make sense to me. Yeah, I'll add to them at the end if I think there's any more. And like, obviously, some of these are hard decisions, but I think if he's come in with like the dick swinging he has, he should just make these decisions and like just do it. But is Boyd like I don't care like with how bad he's been, you should just drop him like Macca. Playing Gillette and Glenn over TPJ and Fafita. Um, oh, don't, don't just move past the Gillette thing. Playing Gillette at lock for three rounds. No, no, no. I've, he's, he's also further. Gillette <laughs> okay, is on okay. this list I'll multiple times. Sorry, I'm, I'm sorry. You're up. You're up. Um, Roberts, like, obviously, by the time that relationship deteriorated, like, that was really the only thing that was going to happen. But mm. letting that get to that point, like, you've got to be, like, manage personalities, manage the people. Everything that happened around that. Roberts is a great player. He's been doing good stuff for Rabbitohs, and he would have for us. Um, playing Sewer at their first choice at second row at the start of the year is just an outstanding decision. Um, back to Gillette at lock is just an even better decision. Um, playing Stags at left centre for ages and just refusing to change until like there's enough injuries that you just have to. Um, like the whole Shibasaki and Parisi thing refusing to play for feeder for more than three minutes a game until, like, a lot of this stuff that he's, like, made decisions on that have made sense in the end is just because of injuries, and he's been forced to do that. Yeah, literally by accident. Like, he never would have otherwise. Um, playing, and then here is the last thing on my list is Turpin at 7 over SOS. Like, Turpin is okay there. He can fill in, but, like, he's a makeshift role at a 7. Like, he's just a footy player. Like, yeah. SOS, that's his position. He was doing great there. And, like, and then even, like, our attacking structures are just absolutely terrible. Like, I don't know how, like, how can you be a first-grade coach and you not know how to, like, have any attack? And even when we had Turpin was at hooker and we were looking better and faster, it wasn't that, like, there was any plans. It was just we were getting earlier and better ball to the our good players on the outside. Like, yeah. it was just that Milford and, like, anybody who they passed the ball just had more time so they were just better and like you just this is dead set gonna happen if he drops Boyd for next season the Curry Mail is gonna build it up as his like sacking Wally Lewis moment oh yeah 100% they are and yeah you touched on some good things there and that's the thing with Turpin coming back in again if you're telling me you're in rebuild youth mode all this kind of bullshit like into the nine (laughs) you know into nine Segaro stays on the bench and Sean Sullivan keeps the seven that's just not what happened. Whatever. We mentioned that, you know, and you've mentioned Sewell being the first shot back roll with Gillett. Terrible. And it's only because Sewell was so goddamn bad that that changed. And now he's out of the club. Bad call. <laughs> like, Do you remember just... he was literally, like, stuffed 13 minutes into the game? Like Yes. <laughs> <sighs> yes. And then other ones, you know, credit to him for some things like Payne Haas. You know, okay, everyone can see he's good. Anyone with eyes can see he's good. But he had the balls to paint us his first game back. Bang, straight in, played 60 minutes. Credit there. Deserves yeah. it for that. Fair enough. Shibasaki, playing <laughs> playing 12 games in the bracket line, has zero tries. Playing him 12 games, ridiculous. Terrible. So, no, strike. You get one back, then you lose one. <laughs> like... <laughs> Terrible. Bring and then you know you bring it. You have Turpin killing at hooker. You bring in James Sikiaro, and then within a matter of weeks of McCulloch being fit, it's just straight back to McCulloch starting. And Sikiaro got dropped at one point, but it was only because of injury that Turpin ended up in the halves. Like again, injury. He fell somewhere. He fell into things. It happened, as you said. 
and stags it up at the right side of the field because of injury. And we're still playing Alex Glennon in the centres, but our left-hand side is so bad that people don't seem to notice or care. <laughs> no, because everyone, like, Oates is the best player there and everyone else around that side is just trash. Like, well, we want the ball to Fafita and let him run back infield. It works pretty well, but it's like there's nothing happens on the left at all now. No, you just... You're shutting down, like, one-third of your, like, field just because, like, yeah, it's Glenn. It's it's not going to get past Glenn and Boyd. Like, yeah. one of them is just going to take a dive at the knees and just take a tackle. That's it. And, again, and then, yeah, he's moved Pangai around the entire year, too. Like, and a lot of things, just as you said, hasn't made some good calls and some other bad ones. But other ones I hate, too. I hated that... He played Xavier Coates three games, and Coates did have those two good leaps in, in, when he first played. But, man, that, that poor kid looked so raw and out of place in first grade. This wasn't the right decisions either. And Herbie Farmworth. And he was playing these guys again over Isaiah Parisi, who I think he must have finally watched him play or something. you know. And then he finally is in, in the 21s a few weeks ago, now back on the bench this week. But Parisi has been outperforming all those guys in reserve grade all year. So... Just weird, and that's it. So there has been some good moments, and there's some bad ones. But people who think that if we won, if we win a finals game equals successful coach are idiots. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to think that, just look at the Dragons last year. Like perfect comparison. If if you're going to look at the Dragons over the last two years, do you think they're a successful football side? Because that's what we are. Just a year on, like a year further down, or like earlier in this yeah. timeline. Oh, you look at twenty. Is it twenty seventeen Cowboys? You yeah, know? yeah, they, they made, made the grand final, but fuck, look what they're paying for for it now. <laughs> yeah, like everyone, they made the grand final. Everyone's like, JT is going to be back. They're going to be great. Look how it went. Kept the entire team around, and that's just it. Like, you know, do and I'm not saying this to happen, but do we win a final? All of a sudden, we roll back in the next season with all the same senior guys: McCulloch, Glenn, Gillett, Boyd. Can't wait. Yeah, and that's it. Like. Successful seasons, there is a layer beneath just wins and losses. Okay? There is wins and losses. Obviously, it's a result of different business. They do matter at a long point. Like, obviously, they matter at some point. But there's the whole decision-making process behind it that hasn't been great this year. Hopefully, Seabold's learnt from all of it. But, mate, like this team, again, we're going to... like We're 11 wins, 11 losses, and people are acting like, what a great season, what a bounce back. It's like, are you forgetting what this squad actually is and where they should be? Yeah, so I think, like, yeah, I think this thing now, like, I don't know, it seems like a small thing to have made my mind up on, but this yeah. stuff with Turpin and SOS, I think, is just me making my mind up on Seabold. Like, I've said to you in, like, in some group chats a couple times, like, oh, I'm going to wait till next year, give him a chance to move some players on, this or that, like, see what he goes into next season with, but I, I just, there's too many dumb decisions, like David Fafita, when he's so obviously that good, and Parisi carving up in reserve grade and then like this now like O'Sullivan isn't carving up as much as the other two are like it's not as obvious but it's just like neither is Turpin and I just think I don't think he could have the best squad in the comp and like a flow chart of the best players to play in what order and I think he'd still stuff it up like dude literally couldn't pour water out of a boot with instructions on the the bottom of it like and we've People have seen also stats around like at different times. Like coaches when they started a new team, like it's in the super minuscule amount of ones that like have a terrible first season or two and then eventually get good. Like that doesn't happen. So I just and you know like 
if he turns it around and it's great next year, like whatever, I'm going to enjoy that. It's, the Broncos are still my team. I'll enjoy it if he's good, but I just I I have no hope for it. I think he's just a average coach. Yeah, well, we were undefeated this year, by the way, with a back row combination of Hafida and Pangai. Unfortunately, it took us to round what like sixteen to do that. <laughs> but, but yeah, you know that's it. And that's the thing is how they kind of fell forward into that. And you know, and in Fafita's last, I think seven games, we were like five and two or whatever it is when he's starting in the back row, and he's had key moments in all of those games. But it's like this is the same coach and the same player who was only playing like twenty minutes a game for the first half of the year. And you think, yeah, as you said, you look at our squad, it's like, well, if we actually figured this bullshit out from the start of the year as we should have, we could be, maybe we could be fifth or fourth. It's just, the annoying thing is, it, it was obvious to every person on Twitter, every person I talked to was like, Fafita needs to play more. He was playing more Origin, make more minutes for Kevin Walters in Origin than he was yeah. for the Broncos. Like, it, so much of this stuff was just straight there and like oh you know what a shock when you play stags in his preferred position with his left arm fend like he's able to like he looks like the center he is now like what a shock that like when you move sewer on and play better people there like your team works better like just when macca gets injured the team looks better. like all of this stuff is so easy to see and yet you just gotta like push Milford out of his best position so that you can play Boyd still in the side like somewhere and hide him like and all this stuff is just frustrating so he's done a fine job at this point now not a good job that's just it but that's this, not what this the season is literally is like fine. yeah is like an average season is like a 5 out of 10 yeah and by the way you mentioned Fafita's minutes just the people forgotten so in round 1 he played 28 minutes against the Storm round 4 he played 22 minutes against the Roosters round 6 38 minutes against the Raiders Round 7, 31 minutes against the Sharks. Round 8, 28 minutes against the Bunnies. Round 9, 24 minutes against the Eagles. Round 10, 19 minutes against the Roosters. 19 bloody minutes. Round 11, 28 minutes. Round 17, 31 minutes. Like recently, he's round 17, he played 31 minutes against the Warriors. And then after that, he played, had to play 80 every week because of injuries. But like, and now it's working out. What a shock. It's working out because he's a fantastic talent. But it's just like, yeah, so... If we didn't have injuries, he'd still probably playing 25 minutes, 30 minutes a game. Ridiculous. Like, if you've gone 17 weeks and that's still your thing, like, yeah, guaranteed if we didn't have the injuries in those positions, he would still be doing that. Like, if you're not going to change after 17 rounds, you're not going to change after 21 rounds. Like, even he had a game when he started in the back row against the Eels, then starting into time, he still wasn't getting 80 minutes in those games when he was starting because there were still other players fit that were coming on. Like, it took being no back rowers fit for this for that to happen. And no centres fit. So Glenn went to the centres, Pangai went to the back row, Fafita went to the back row. That's what it took to get to that. Like, and that's just, that's just not good process or good decision making. So that makes you think, so what happens next year? Like, again, with Shibasaki, say we go into next season. Shibasaki plays first grade for, for 16 weeks. And then somebody, be it Parisi, be it Tessie Nui, be Xavier Coates, be, be anybody. Somebody comes into the team via injury in round 17 and kills it for 10 weeks. We're just going to praise it again, are we? Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. So, yeah, he's just been, he's doing just fine. And, I, and I, I was of the opinion he was doing a bad job, and I don't think he's doing a good job either, but it's still on the badder side than it is on the good side. <laughs> if you get, for me. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, I hope it improves, obviously, because I want to support a better football team. I just... 
We're talking about a team that's playing in the finals, though, Simo. Yeah, I honestly <laughs> just I just don't see it happening. Yeah, so yeah, exactly. As you said many times, generally coaching their first year is a sign of what's coming forward. And, and it's always going to be very hard to assess him coming into next year because we've just mentioned, Fafita and Haas could carry almost any one of these teams into near finals contention. Just so they can carry a coach, it's, like, it's hard to assess in that regard where the good players start and where the coaching starts. And that was the problem the Cowboys have obviously had because we can, we've can seen over the last four or five years where the, it was actually the good player, not the good coaching. I mean, dead set, if you take the Titans, they've won the wooden spoon now, yeah? Yeah. For sure. So, worst team in the comp. If you put Fafita outside Ash Taylor, you can't tell me both of those, well, Fafita doesn't improve, he's as good as he is, and Ash Taylor improves a whole heap because he's got someone that he can, like, do stuff with. Like, just that one player with what Fafita can do definitely gets that team, like, Four or five more wins. Like, you know, a few of those close games, like, they can end up winning. And then, like, you know, if you're not a super trash team, you probably stay in some more games and not, like, just give up because you're trash. Like, definitely one position can make all, like, not all the difference, but a huge difference. Yeah. And, yeah, and just because we're critical of decision-making and that kind of similar stuff doesn't mean we won't be cheering for whoever we play against in the finals. But... I'm oh, just going like, to yeah. miss me if we win a finals game. People are saying, what a season, the best thing ever, because so many teams over the last few years have done this thing. We've limped into the finals, won a finals game, and all of a sudden you've absolved all the mistakes and have fallen to shit the year after. You don't absolve the entire season because you won a finals game. The season is judged on 26 rounds, or 25 rounds and results, not, oh, we came eighth, we won a finals game, we're great. Yeah, I mean, like, we mentioned the Dragons and what they did, but then also look at Para last year. Won the spoon, and then, like, look at them now. Yeah. Like, much, much better team than the Dragons are. In Like, yeah, they didn't win a finals game last year. Yeah. But it's just like, yeah, exactly. Like, you had the um, the Dragons win a finals game last year. The, uh, the Panthers won a finals game last year too, didn't they? Beat the Warriors. That yeah. was good. The Cowboys made the grand final the year prior. Like it's just it's almost every year there's a team. The Titans made the finals in twenty sixteen, mate. The Titans <laughs> made the finals in twenty sixteen. Like, yeah, you make the finals, it doesn't absolve everything. You still have to improve and, and, and you know, make the tough the, like you know, if we, we get a finals game it shouldn't be the decisions that you then go, Seabob was great, keep everything the same. It shouldn't be what what happens from here, you know? No. Like if you happen to beat Manly without Tommy Turbo and like four other players. Yeah. You're not wanting to go into round one with Darius Boyd still. No, you're not. You're not. Caleb Boyd is though. Boy, boy, is she looking forward to us winning a finals game. <laughs> is is there somebody more in the world that like everyone has an opinion on with like on her than without like ever actually meeting her and knowing what she's like as a person? Like I like I fully know what she's like without ever ever knowing actually what she's like. You know if you what type of mean. person she is, you're saying? Like, yeah, yeah. Like, I've never met her, but, like, in my mind, I know what she's like. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, well, anyway, I think that's enough of this game, even though we didn't talk that much about the game. We, yeah, you know, whatever. We gotta, I we'll, mainly we'll, wanted to talk about Seabold anyway, so... Yeah, that's what we seem to do here every week. Seabold Weekly. <laughs> yeah, whatever. I mean, I don't think we've talked about him that much lately. I don't know, maybe uh, we have. We've missed, we've missed out on the um, the uh, Wayne revenge and first week of the finals now, though. It's pretty unlikely the uh, the Bunnies don't finish in the top four. 
Yeah, but if we happen to beat Manly or Para, it could be Bunnies in week two. It could be. It, it could be. Oh, God. I, know I couldn't back us to win two games in a row in Sydney. If, if, we, if we beat Manly or Para, if we play two, two, week two, is going to smash us. I don't want to go down to the Bunnies and lose by, like, 40. I mean, I, I don't even care. Lose round one, lose round two, whatever. We're not winning a grand final. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. Anyway, let's let's move on to to questions. Man, this is gonna be a short episode. Is it? It's like it's like forty minutes in, mate. Oh, yeah. You always worry about how short it. It's not short. <laughs> I'm not worried because, like, yeah. I think worrying about time on a podcast is ridiculous. Like, it is what it is. But it is. I always just think it's gonna be short. Yeah, exactly. Right. I'm like another wicket. There's there's, there's my uh, recommendation station. Cricket. Don't lose your wicket. Cricket's Don't throw dead. your wicket. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Rightio, um, on Facebook from Matt, he said, who will get Rookie of the Year and why is it Payne Haas? Yeah, well, you I answered mean, that there. We all know this one. Uh, from Jack, he said, Turpin is a gun hooker playing at seven this weekend over a Sullivan, a natural halfback. Thoughts? I mean... We kind of covered that one. I feel we just did for like 15 minutes. So, yeah. um, from Brennan... Uh, big call here. Just looked at the ladder, and as long as we don't run into the storm, we could actually win this thing. All we need is a halfback. <laughs> yeah, all we need is someone to knock out the storm and knock out the roosters. And, and the bunnies. <laughs> and manly. Yeah, and, and maybe uh, the Raiders could choke a final and we could win the grand granny. Yeah, I feel we could definitely like get a Raiders choke in the grand final. So if someone yeah. can just knock out the other seven teams, six teams for us, like, we'll be sweet. Um, maybe like we'll lose the first round and then they'll get done for like, uh, salary cap or something. I don't know. Something will happen. Uh, from Dale, he's taking the bold stance here of saying Seabold is good. Bold. Well, there you go. And then if we lose this week, is it is Seabold is bad? <laughs> uh, from Cameron, would you prefer we? Who would you prefer we play first week, Eels or Manly? Um, that's a tough one because I do think the Eels are a worse team. Tommy Turbo's out for Manly. But, like, it's, oh, God, it's a tough one. I'm just thinking, because obviously, no Tommy Turbo's a big thing, but Eels are better at Bankwest. I think I'd rather play the Eels. Nah, man. Mitch Moses at Bankwest is going to be a flat track. For me, yeah. Tommy Turbo, less Manly, yeah. 100%. At that shithole that's Brookie that might not be able to host a finals game. <laughs> uh, righto, from Vince. Uh, hey guys, love the podcast, but how much longer do we need to listen to Jimmy the Jet in the intro? Mate, look. Rest of the year. You're lucky we edit the thing in the first, every year <laughs> as it is. We don't put effort in anything else. We could still be back on 2015 highlights. <laughs> well, finally, at least, like, halfway through this year, man, you were thinking, shit, how are we going to, like, how are we going to put anything in the intro last year? We literally had this discussion. We're like, what the hell are we putting in the intro? Yeah. But, well, uh, We've we've got some highlights now, so it's not it saved us. But I was legitimately worried by about round twelve. Yeah, he's nice Haas, He's got a nice everything. That's obviously in the intro. Yeah, um, Sarko's field goal this week potentially in the intro. Like, so we'll have we'll have some new things. But calm down. <laughs> Next year, like Next year. we do the bare minimum possible. We don't even do a run sheet, so you know, like exactly. is what it is. Oh, by the way, I love it. I'm loving Katoni Stags with the ball and the hand back on the right hand side, but he might be worse defensively than James Roberts. He just, just something putting out there. He might be. 
Uh, yeah, I don't care. Whatever. Neither you do ain't... I, but I'm, just saying, I'm not one of the people that bangs on about their defensive Roberts all the time. I'm just saying, like, I think he might be. I honestly think people go on and on about, like, certain, like, center A, B, or C being, like, a defensive master, and, like, no, none of them are. Like, no. maybe, like, Josh Boris was. Yeah. Like, literally, that was it. Like, he got picked to stop Greg Inglis, and, like, the yeah. rest of them are just spuds that, like, can sometimes pass a ball to their winger. Like, yeah. and they can't even do that all the time. Like, it's like Will Chambers was a defensive mastermind until other centers got good. Yeah. <laughs> Like, yeah. Jack Reed was a defensive master unless like his opposite number could move sideways. Like yeah. that like if if the if his opposite center like ran straight at him, he could make tackles. Yeah, and, and by the way, so we've got for, there's a stat called try causes and that's generally like not it's not always a player is at fault, so it's kinda of supposed to be the player at fault for conceding tries, but sometimes they're a bit harsh, but someone has to be given a cause, if you get me. Anyway, yep. Tony Staggs is twenty one. Of, of times he's been at fault for tries this year and he's like that's by far and away the worst of any centre in the competition yeah it's a few I mean he, how many games has he played at centre well he's, he's played 22 games but obviously they haven't all been at centre so and, and he's also all, had a few on the left as well he has but almost all of them have come on the right hand side those try courses which, oh, okay. is, which well, isn't good but he's played 18 even games worse. There. I think he had, I don't remember how many, but I think he had like seven in that in that storm hammering, which is all his fault, which is true if you watch that game, by the way. Like, he was getting danced on, but yeah, not a great number. We're doing our end of, I'm doing end-of-season reporting next year, and I feel bad. He doesn't kind of deserve to be down there. His defense isn't the worst in the league for centers, but he's probably going to be the last in defensive metrics for centers. Uh, from Scott, he said, can you arrange a meeting for Harvard Tony with Madge so Madge can teach him how to drop expensive players? So he had seven try scores against the Storm, by the way. Um, Madge got the balls. That's for damn sure. He's I feel, done a great job. Like, I feel Madge definitely has the power to do that, as in, like, he, people obviously know he's a good coach and he's won a premiership. Like, that definitely gives you some sway to just be like, nah, I'm not playing you, mate. Like, that's it. Yeah, but you look at that team, mate. Like, honestly... When people like over the off season, people like playing like the on paper teams, and it's like the people who tell you the Titans are going to be good every year. It's like no, you forget how that whole team works. It's shit. But you look at the the Tigers team this week, and they're starting Robert Jennings, Paul Momorowski, uh, Oliver Clark, Luke Garner, Chris Lawrence, and Josh Reynolds at hooker. And then I know oh Tom McHaley's good, but it's a rookie starting at prop. And then they, the bench has got Matt Eisenhuth, who sucks, Cooked Elijah Taylor, and Alex Twall, who's average. It's like you look at that team, you're like fuck, is this team like fifteenth? I uh, know they're competing for the eight <laughs> because they're literally a like job. what one point behind us on the ladder at the moment. Yes, exactly right. But they've done a fantastic job considering, like you know, we're, we're, many people have been through this. But considering they have Packer in, in reserve grade on like seven hundred k, Madalino on a bit less, not playing either. Josh not Reynolds Rochdy hasn't played on seven fifty. Like the list goes on and on for them. I think that at one point their fans figured out they had like three and a half million dollars in reserve grade or something of their cap. And they have that 300k plus cap penalty as well this year that <laughs> they're not allowed to spend it, if you remember, because of the Farrah stuff. Yeah. And they're still on the perimeter of the That's a coach who's done a fantastic job because that team is not good. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's taking a toll on the man's physical appearance, but... Oh, he's aged... He honestly, he's aged <laughs> 10 years this year. It's like he squeezed four years of being the American president into, like, eight months. Yeah, 100%. Um, from Matt... How much would you be willing to pay 
Fafita to stay at the club. Also, is the first minute of Golden Point not the best sequence of play this whole season? It was fantastic. Um, I, I am of the opinion that the disparity of the salaries between good players and NRL is not enough, and the bad players. Yep. People whinge about a million-dollar player when guys who are like shit on 600K don't get any attention. But you look at most sports around the world, and the good players are played like 20 times more than the bad players. Like, like not even as low as 600. Like, even up to 800, I think, Sony players, or maybe 800 is a bit high, like 700. Get just away. Go, go under, the, and that is a that is a huge chunk. Is literally seventy percent of a million. <laughs> it's well, like it's a yeah. big chunk to just get no attention. Yeah, like Tim Glasby's six fifty to seven hundred k deal at Newcastle. It's like no, no, like, no. He's on more money than Pangai is, and on lot than what Lodge is. Yeah, and so you can get a player that is on like six fifty seven hundred, but they are like twenty percent of the player that is on. You know, an extra two hundred or three hundred thousand. But yeah, it's, it, it just feels once you hit like the million dollars, like it's oh, he's a million dollar player. Yeah, he's got to do better than that. And I think a huge part of that is just fans are stuck in like from when you used to play rugby league live two, and you had like three million dollars to spend on your salary cap to build your whole team, and like that's not what the salary cap is anymore. Yeah. So I, I heard a story. I don't know how true it is, but I heard a story that like Kurt Gidley's last. Uh, its contract when they signed it it was one of those deals that he re-signed on like 2011 or something for like 4 or 5 years it was one of those deals that was back-ended but in the last year his deal was worth 950k a year oh man and it was only worth that because he didn't want to be million dollars he didn't want the attention of people knowing he's a million dollar player he like took a 50k pay cut I mean <laughs> I would move. take I would take a 1000 dollar pay cut to not be yeah. a million dollar player but that's it I don't know how true that is, but it's a story I've heard. But yeah, I mean, that's, so, it. that's it. Like, let's just pretend it's all true for a sec. Mm-hmm. It worked because I never heard that. But you could dead set guarantee if he was a million dollar player, we would all know about that. Yeah, hundred percent, we would. It'd be everywhere. But uh, as for Fafita, as what I was saying, the gap between the good and the bad player salary isn't enough. But uh, you look at the you look at the storm more similar, and it's always easy to say look at them because they're a great team. But Pay and, and the Raiders did this too, by the way. They just did not pay the players that they thought were average who got 600k or whatever similar elsewhere last year. They just didn't pay them. They yeah. go get that somewhere else and got and found better value elsewhere. I don't give it for feeder deserves whatever he gets. I don't care if it's 700 or it's a million or whatever. Hopefully, I hope it's less. But he's a player that you just don't lose. Um, unlike the, good players and bad players, too, like take the NFL because that's the next sport I know the most about. Mm-hmm. Obviously, quarterbacks. Like are the biggest probably role in any sports team ever, like what they can do. But yeah. you have a good quarterback, and they're owning over thirty million, and then you get like some defensive players, special teams players are like on a hundred thousand or something, like yeah. because you know they get it. Yeah. Uh, and speaking and of, yeah. and obviously, wait one, one more thing before. Obviously, disparity can't be that big in the NRL because again, the cap's only nine million, and like. Minimum salary can't be less than minimum wage. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's to start somewhere. But it's like, I wouldn't much rather have in my team. Say I had I had a month, a 1 million, I had 1.2 million to play with, right? Say I had that. I would much rather have Dave Fafita in the back row on a million and like Brad Takarangi in the centres on 200k than have Tim Glasby and some other bum on 600k. Like, God, Darius Boyd on 100k. Yeah, Aaron Woods. <laughs> like, 
I'd much <laughs> rather have Fafida and then just play someone like Takarang in the centres. That's just, you know, it's about cap management. And so people are worrying, are we going to overpay our young forwards? It's like, mate, if we didn't have our young forwards, where would this team be right now? Yeah, I mean, like, the Cowboys have shown you can do have some decent seasons with some nobody outbacks, like, yeah, backs, so you know, like, uh, I... You said you can't lose for feeder. You just got to do it, and you will sort it out later. And I'm, like, cer- I'm certain they'll get him cheap. They'll get him like 700 or something. I'm certain they'll get him cheaper. But and it is one negative of uh, him starting the last few weeks. Every week he get his, val- his contract value goes up like 100k. <laughs> and I think, I mean, obviously you have to cut or get rid of Gillette and Boyd and that. But Bird too, I guess. I who knows what's going to happen with that. Yeah. Um, but there is like. It just seems we have a lot of money that, like, you can cut a couple of players and get a lot back. Yeah. And, like, yeah. That's what happens when Isaac Moses runs the club. And that's it. I mean, like, Bird is a great one, right? He was good for us earlier in the season. But we have not missed his 800k salary or whatever at all. Either we year. Missed... Sorry? Either you know. And we like... haven't missed Gillett's 800k salary and he's not there either. It's like, that's it. That was exactly the type of thing I'm talking about. 1.6 million across those two. Or, you know... A million on Fafida and 600k on somebody else. Yep. Yeah, not a hard choice. And then, like, get, like, you know, Shibasaki to be your 30th person in the list so that you're on the minimum yep. wage, yep. you know, to fill another slot in. Righto, uh, last question here on Facebook from Dan. He said, should the Chargers tell Melvin Gordon they refuse to trade him and have him hold out for the entire season? Well, why would they do that? No, I think he's saying this because he's on my fantasy team. Okay. Well, they've obviously said they refuse to um, they refuse to play him, so pay him what he wants, which is good. Um, Chargers have generally been pretty shitty with contracts. They've had they've always had problems with, like even signing their rookies to their rookie deals. But in this instance, not paying Melvin Gordon like over ten million dollars a year is a good decision. So with like you're up more with this NFL stuff than me, but yeah. doesn't he have a year left on his contract? He does. So he does. Because people have compared it to Le'Veon Bell, but Le'Veon Bell on his holdout year tag. was his second year of franchise tag, right? Yeah, yeah. So if if Gordon holds out this whole year, it just pushes his rookie contract back another year. Yes, it does. He has to play, I think, so, a report by week 10. Yeah, so it's a completely different situation. And I mean, honest, like, I would like him for the first 10 weeks or most of the first 10 weeks, but, you know, if he reports by week 10 and I get him for the, you know, the run into the uh-huh. playoffs, and yeah, I'll take it. Well, it's like, he's one of those things, though. He, like, they're asking for a first-round pick for him now. They're not going to get it, but obviously, again, you start with your asking price high. No shit. They're asking for that, and he's not going to get paid that money. There's no team in the league who's going to pay a first for him and then pay him over $10 million. They can just spend that first on a running back next year, then, if they want to, and get a very good running back. On, the on a rookie, on a full rookie deal. But in a couple of weeks, there'll be an injury somewhere or whatever, and someone might pay a third or a fourth for him. And even then, they might even pay him that and not even give a shit about re-signing him and then the you know another team yeah you just do that. take him for a year or whatever yeah another team who could be in contention could be like oh shit we just lost our running back let's pay a fourth or third for Melvin Gordon play him out the rest of the year and then he can go somewhere else but he's just not getting that money from anybody give smart, him like anyway. a billion carries a game just ruin him for next year well that's it and that's and that's what that's the reason why Zeke's holdout's going to end too he has like two years left on his deal but yeah Melvin Gordon's holding out and it's whatever yeah, I just feel like, obviously, Bell was in a pretty good bargaining position being Yeah, he was. And I, mean, and, I mean, he sacrificed all that money, too. 
Oh, Le'Veon Bell did. But the rumours was he had planned to come back to that team until the t- the t- his teammates started shitting on him for not being there. So he's like, oh, well, fuck you all then. <laughs> I mean, like, this has been talked about on other stuff, but yeah. the way the owners of those teams have got the media that, like, if a player holds out trying to get more money, everyone dumps on the players instead of, like, yeah. the billionaire owners that don't want to, like, are just Scrooges. Oh, it's, it is fucked. I, I don't think Melvin Gordon deserves that money because I would not pay a running back that money, but I don't begrudge him for wanting to get paid. Yeah, man, <laughs> try get paid every dollar you can because, and especially as a running back, your career is like four years long and then you're done. Like, Yeah. Oh, mate, the NFL, as we know, careers are four years long as a running back and then the NFL has this situation that like you have to, you know, you move in, you've played college football, you've got your body beaten up for like four years. You move in, you sign a rookie deal, and say Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell was good, like almost as good as he always was from when he first got into the NFL. But you have to wait like four years to get paid. Yeah. You know? And then he finally due to get paid, and they do the thing called a franchise tag, which just means they can tag him, and he has to you know, get a certain salary level or whatever, but it's a one-year deal, and he can't leave. And they did that to him one year, and the problem with the franchise tag, obviously, is that there's no security in it. You know? So yeah, then you want like a four-year deal. And he was negotiating again the next season. They did it to him again the year after. And he's like, well, you know what? I'm not letting you guys play me and run me into the ground for like, you know, I'll take 500 carries, some ridiculous number for you this year, and you're going to drop me on someone else next year. I'm not letting you do it. I'm not risking my career for that. So he waited out and got a contract elsewhere. But like, people are like hammering these guys for doing that. It's like, no, fuck you. The guy, like, as you said, his, his career, Levin Bell's career as a running back could be over any week with the hits they take. And I mean, like... I'm sure me being a Bengals fan has nothing to do with me loving the the Steelers falling apart with Bell and Brown leaving. Like, just coincidence. <laughs> oh, yeah. And the other thing other thing of that, too, is when his teammates attacked him, I was agreeing with him. It's like, once his teammates started saying, oh, he's quit on our team, what an ass or whatever, you know, it's like, no, fuck you all, man. You all want to get paid, too. Yeah. <laughs> there is no player on that team that is like, oh, yeah, I'd take a pay cut to, to play football and get my body bashed up every week. Yeah, it's like, oh, the linemen attacking him are like, oh, yeah, I forgot when you were getting no money as well. Like, go away. Yeah. But, yeah. Anyway, let's move on to the next, next question. Cool. Uh, Eddie NZ on Twitter, he said, you can move one player on from the club, but it will mean everyone else sees out their full term. Who do you pick? Darius Boyd. Um, I, I honestly, I'm shocked by that answer. For me, it's Gillette, 100%. Gillette was my second one. Well, <sighs> Gillette and McCulloch, but it's just, it's Boyd just... So like if he plays the next two years of his deal out and they play him, what level is he going to hit? If in that scenario they'd have to play the rest of their deal out, what level is he going to hit? Gillette could be a bench forward or something. Yeah, but see, I feel the club can move Gillette on and the public, us, can bully Boyd into quitting. Yeah, well, I like, think in this, in this scenario... Media. I think in this scenario you're saying we have, they have to stay in, though, he said, right? Yeah, but, like, I mean, I guess it depends how much you're bending the rules here. You could have him see out the deal at, like, the Capras and still getting paid. Like, you know. Oh, okay. If we're going in... Okay, if we're not doing... <laughs> changing his question completely and ignoring <laughs> if they have to move next year and everyone else no, says like, see the deal out. So let's the first one I punt because the other two will probably go soon anyway. Yeah, I mean, like... I mean, the way I see it is, like, you're still paying the player and, like, you have that cap hit. Like... Yeah. I wouldn't mind Boyd's cap hit as much if he's, like, not in the team. We've talked about this before. It's like, you know... Um, this is right to mate. He's yeah, worth more Yeah, he, he's, I'd pay him a million dollars to sit, you know, and play for the Jets or something. 
Yeah. Oh, imagine him for the Jets. He just wouldn't understand the Jets style. Well, mate, the Walker brothers are moving on next year. You know, you know young Sam got, got paid by, by the Roosters, so... Ben's going to, you know, live off Sam's dime from here, I think. They've moved on. It's the last year of the Jets this year. Well, maybe they'll be a good football team again. <laughs> yeah, probably not. Righto, James K, underscore 1312, under, over, on pre game time this weekend. Will he crack the magic 10-minute mark? I'm going to say, okay, we're playing the Bulldogs. I'm going to say over, because I yeah. think the Bulldogs aren't going to actually turn up this week. Um... Yeah, like I've always been convinced we're probably going to lose this game. But yeah, also on the other side, you know, last game of the year, their finals hopes are dead officially. They yeah. could definitely, yeah, we could just roll them. It could happen. Yeah, like you know, in the in the past when he hasn't played Shibasaki, it's generally been clo- you know closest games or whatever when he hasn't played that bench person. But I do feel like if we're up against the Bulldogs, he'll bring like praise on for somebody for they get a rest for like the last twenty minutes. Uh, Nathan Chip 22. I was very disappointed to see Sean Sullivan miss out on his spot. I thought he had been good in uh, in good form the last few weeks. Uh, and his recommendation station is Dragged Across Concrete. is a great film. Dragged Across Concrete. Have I seen that? Let me quickly. I don't. I don't remember that. I probably haven't seen it. But let me quickly Google and see if it brings any memories back. I have not seen this. Oh, I know the film he's talking about though. It's the uh, Mel Gibson's movie. So, you know, I don't know about that. It's Oh, it's in the cinemas right now. So that'd be why I haven't seen it. <laughs> Is he still making movies? Well, I guess he's just back making movies now. Like, he's been making movies that whole time, but I don't think he's been, like, publicly acceptable. <laughs> I thought he was just, like, making anti-Semitic statements around places. So. That's a movie, isn't it? <laughs> oh, that might be my bad. <laughs> uh, uh, I mean, I, I don't really watch movies. So, like, I, yeah. I, I want to watch this movie, but I, realistically, I'm probably not going to. Like, I, yeah. I'm not a big movie person unless it's Lord of the Rings, so. There you go. Uh, Triple Eight. I'd like to pass on my condolences <laughs> about the Broncos making the top eight. I'm sorry this happened to you. <laughs> it's tough for us. It's been a very tough year for us. I'm glad you it's appreciate a, it, Butsy. It's been a trying time, but we're just, you know, taking it one day at a time. We're putting the front foot forward. I think when you look at, um, if you look at the, the way the Tiger fans are acting right now, I think you kind of realise that, man, this is what missing finals, you know, for, for a distance of time really actually does to you. But they're treating this like a grand final because they're so desperate just to play finals. And I guess, you know, maybe it's a bit of a perspective. I think, like, as far as second teams go, I'm definitely on the Tigers. Like, Raiders is the popular one. I do like the Raiders, but, like... I really want the Tigers to make the finals. Like, it's been a while. It's been, what, 2011. I just want it to happen. Yeah. Oh, so I wanted to beat the Sharks, obviously. So, yeah, but once they're in the finals, I'll be, they, I don't put faith in them as my, you know, the team I'll be cheering for if the Broncos get knocked out because they'll be knocked out first. <laughs> oh, like, I'm not... Yeah. I don't think they're going to, like, you know, set the world alight, but yeah. I still want them to. It'd be, like I said earlier, fa- absolutely bloody fantastic job if they make the top eight with the team they've had. Yeah. Uh, Aaron J. Rose, how good is the 17 without JPD for a change? Uh, Japanese Pearl Diver. We we need a new nickname for him because every time I see JPD, like it takes me three minutes to think of the Japanese Pearl Diver. I do agree with you. That's not the world's best nickname. Like, uh, no, sorry. Good nickname, bad abbreviation. It, yeah, I just... call him JPD. It just... 
don't know. When I see three like letters in a row, like JPD, I think of like the first three initial of someone's name, like TPJ. Like you see yes. TPJ, you know it's Davida Pango Junior. Like that's it. Or you see like SST for the Roosters or JWH. Yeah. Like that's that's how that normally comes well, out. JPD is J uh, is JP Dumini, the cricket player. <laughs> like, <laughs> who is like, um. Confused me when he first sent that JPD ending for that exact reason. I was like, what do you mean, JPD? I, I don't think this is like 100% the same three initials. Who was the... This is like a weird thing. That Giants player that blew his fingers off with fireworks? Uh, uh, Pierre Paul. Yeah, uh, JPP. That was it. Yeah, JPP. Uh, yeah, so not quite. 66%, not bad. But yeah, yeah, that's who I think of when I th- see JPD. Yeah. Um, P- uh, Jason Pierre Paul, sorry. I almost yeah, said Jean yeah. Pierre Paul. Jason Pierre Paul. Jean sounds a lot more like romantic. It does. <laughs> I mean, fireworks are romantic, so he's got that they going are. for him. <laughs> <laughs> and, he's, yeah, and he's still playing. He had a good year after the fingers went the first year. Losing $10 million a season because you blow it like half your fingers off. That's romantic. Smart call. But yeah, mate, probably shouldn't just, uh, should just take the franchise tag. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Corey Goats after Darius her- heroic performance against Para how many years should we re-sign him for oh god <laughs> yeah moving on RCG Kennedy what can you tell us about Reese Walsh and Tessie Nui so I've, I've already spoken about Tessie Nui a couple of times in the podcast and he is a, a, a centre well he's playing fullback for the Magpies now South Slogan Magpies and Queensland Cup he is a centre Originally, and he did play in the under twenties game this year for Queensland with um, with Xavier Coates, and he absolutely, absolutely murdered it. And the last year, when he first moved to fullback for the Maggies, he wasn't doing great, but he has really, really, really improved the last few weeks. I think he's been pretty fantastic at fullback there, and I think he'll get some time put into him over the over the preseason and maybe he's a contender to play fullback at some point next year I don't know but I, I you know from what I've seen I, I rate him more than guys like Coates and Herbie Farmworth but maybe that's my love of of, of the Islanders coming through even though like, <laughs> you're a young just, Joey yeah that's my <laughs> bias um, Reese Walsh I've not seen enough of you know he's he's playing um Mal Meninga Cup he played for the under 18s this year for, for Queensland, but he only played off the bench, I think, as well. I actually haven't said enough of you, mate, mate to, to tell you how Reese Walsh, Walsh is, but, um, Walsh, sorry. But Tessie Newey is, is looking like a good prospect. And here we are again talking about prospects. <laughs> Penrith North up here. <laughs> uh, from Thursday Night FB, in a year of nonsensical selections, is dropping a halfback for a hooker covering as a halfback the dumbest of them all? No, not dumbest, but it's not nice. <laughs> Honestly, it's a tie between, like, nose finish between Gillette and Locke and Sewer starting at, t- at second row. Doing that against the Storm in Melbourne Again, too, Against too. the Storm, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, like, maybe if you do that against the Titans, why can't we ever play the Titans straight up? Just, like, week, week one, get, like, a half volley to just bang over the fence. Like, this should be the first positive, like, we know, I, I don't really want another Brisbane team, and not because I'm afraid of taking over the Broncos, just because I like Brisbane, as we both know, that one-town team feeling is fantastic when you're up there. But I think the one positive we gained from it is the fact that we wouldn't have to, like, play this broadcast schedule every year because they'd have two teams that could broadcast in Brisbane. Yeah. We wouldn't have to play oh, play the Storm round one every year or whatever. Play them in the first two rounds, the Roosters in the first three rounds, and the Cowboys in the first three rounds. Like It would change. Um, while we're talking about two Bron- Brisbane teams, yeah. 
I mean, like, well, as you said, one town team is amazing. Like, obviously, we we can't get to Brisbane all the time, but like, you and I have been in Brisbane together when you like win a great game and like just walking through the city and the it just feels like the whole city is singing where the Broncos. We probably sung it that many times that it felt like it was no, but the like, whole city. But, but it, like yeah. everyone you talk to is just, like everyone you walk past in the street is like wearing Broncos jersey and high five and yeah, everyone is happy. Like yeah. it it honestly feels like the whole town is just happy. Like it's great. But on like if there was a second team people I think people a lot of people think the Broncos like have been good a lot because they're the only team in Brisbane. And, like, obviously that's going to help. But, honestly, I just think the Broncos have been good because they've been run well for a lot of their history. Yeah, it's like, again, like, the Titans are pretty much another Brisbane team. Yeah, but, like, you see in other codes, like, in the AFL, teams get, like, a one-town team or whatever. Like, the Brisbane Lions are a one-town team. Yeah. But, like... They're not run as well. Like, look at them. They go. They have ups. Like when they get some good players, you know, they draft some yeah. good players. But like, they're trash for years and years and years. Or like, the Swans have dropped off. Like, but but the, the Swans were like, good though for a long time because again, they, they as the other guys did, they had the stupid rules that last like thirty years of like the Sydney tax and their salary cap and other dumb things. Yeah, the cost they of living. The collar. The collar. Yeah. Yeah, the cost but of living like, tax living in fucking Sydney, and like, as millionaires. Obviously, <laughs> stuff like that helps, but like. I don't feel they were worried about GWS coming in because they were good for all those years because they were run well. Like, obviously they had the things to help them, but, like, they used those to their advantage. Like, in the end, like, I don't care what advantages you get. If you are run as well as, like, the Roosters and the Storm are, like, the Roosters have eight other teams in their city and it doesn't matter to them because they are run well. That's it. Yeah. I I just don't... In the end, you could have 38 teams in Brisbane and, you know, like, in the, the best teams that are run the best are going to be the best teams on the field. Yep. And by the way, I know it's not relevant to uh, the actual podcast, so just talking about NFL, why not go again? Zeke Elliott just got his six-year, $90 million deal. Now, there is a bloody running back deal. Oh, man. Obviously, it's not all guaranteed, but that's it. Six years guaranteed. He's already hit that thing. Like, if you hit, like, over a 1,000 rush, rush attempts, they generally hit a raw wall. And then, like, a 1,000 and a half rush attempts, there's, like, none left in the league. So, yeah. <laughs> but that's it. Get paid, Zeke. Well done, son. And I would imagine if my boss came in and was like, yeah, I'll just give you a six-year contract. Like, you, just, you can just coast for the next six years. Yeah. Probably put him for well, the first, like, year or so. <laughs> you can coast for the next five years, then you've got to try in that sixth year. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'd put him for, like, like, obviously they're competitors, but I think, you know, once it gets a couple of years, maybe I'll put him really hard the first year, like, prove I, I, I deserve this and whatever. And then after a while, I'm like, yeah, who am I proving shit to? <laughs> I don't need to prove shit. Uh, um... Next question here. All right, GM Walker underscore. Thoughts on the young forwards not named for feeder and Haas. Carrigan has come on as the year progressed while Flegler has hit a bit of a rookie wall. Reese Kennedy is much better than advertised. Yeah, I mean, they do have a pretty easy job playing with Haas for, and Lodge and for feeder. The rest of them do at the moment. And TPJ. And TPJ when he's playing, obviously. Um, Reese Kennedy is decent. He's been okay, but he's not a young forward. I mean, he's, what, 25, turning 26. 
obviously the 25 soon, but 26 next year, and he's only playing like 20 minutes since. He's fine. He's one of those guys that I'm happy to be like, when we're fully fit, to be like, you know, 18th, 19th man kind of thing. Yeah, like, we talked about this when it happened. It's like, he's the replacement of Sua, and we're happy because he's going to be cheaper, and he's going to be better than Sua. So, like... Sua is bad. Sua is just bad. Yeah, so as far as, like, Kennedy's role goes, like, I'm I'm more than happy with that, you know. So am I. You're not wanting him to... He doesn't need to be any of, like, our best six forwards. Yeah, like, Sue was, like, our fifth best back rower, and then we're trying to make him a, a middle, and he sucked at it. Meanwhile, uh, meanwhile, Kennedy's all right. And Carrigan has definitely improved. He hasn't, obviously, not got the ceiling or the potential of guys like, um, like Fafita Haas or even Lodge. But, you know, he, he has definitely improved. He looks he looks, looks decent, but I, I wouldn't say... I think he's going to be amazing, and um, I might be proven wrong there, but he definitely seems to have a decent work rate, and his defense is getting much better. I mean, I was losing my mind at him early in the year when he got in first grade because all he was doing was living offside, and he was getting pinged for it quite a bit. But he um, also is one of those guys, he hasn't got enough passing and running and offloading in his game, and he's only thrown one offload the entire season, which is not a lot. So, yeah, we'll see how he develops, but he has definitely improved. Uh, righto. Last person from not Bob Sacamano. 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 What's our long-term halves slash fullback solution? Oh, man. Do you want to try and answer this, Simo? This is your favourite question, mate. Um, yeah, well, I'm going to answer it pretty quickly. For me, it is Din at seven, Milford at six, and Asaka at one. That's it. Done. Yeah, I think... God, I remember this period of the year. I was having arguments with Broncos fans. As, as you do, you see me have them about the Sarko and telling people to fuck off. <laughs> Essentially, like, he has all the tools still, has all the potential, just down on confidence. And again, what a shock when he's not covering for his fullback has been better. But also, his dad's been unwell this year, as we, as, as we now know. And he took time off for that, and he's been much better the last few weeks. But again, all the tools are there. Of a, gr- a great ball runner, a lucid ball runner, a guy who has goal kicking that you can't just find, as we know, can kick field goals, a massive skill set, always runs the ball back hard, you know, that kind of thing. Like, to me, he deserves a run at fullback at some point, and I hope he gets that run next year. Oh, like, he could have had this exact identical season, but playing for a Q Cup side, so most of our fans wouldn't have seen, like, 99% of his work. They would have seen, like, a highlights package, like, two yeah. times through the year, and everyone would have been calling for a fullback. Like, yeah. we've seen this heaps where people just, like, they think the players in Q Cup are better than the Broncos players because they don't see the errors they make. They don't see the dumb decisions or things they do. Like, when he was in Q Cup two years ago, everyone was saying he needed to be the fullback. Remember, and then he got his debut in that Knights game, and everyone was like, oh, he needs to be the fullback. Or it was like he got his first chance of fullback, sorry. Like, yeah, I just, I still think he deserves a shot there, a decent shot. Like, that's just, that's the first option for me. I, a lot of these other players are like years younger than him that people want but I just, he deserves a first shot for me yeah 100% and there's obviously other lots of other halves pieces in there as you said like Dearden's probably the long term seven I like O'Sullivan as a short term option they're working on Corey Pakes as a hooker who's an option there eventually too and then you mentioned people asked about Tessie Newey well he is you know playing at fullback right now uh, obviously Milford's still a fullback option in their minds uh, and then there's also Reese Walsh who mentioned earlier who has been playing at full who is at fullback so I'm guessing that's why I asked about Reese Walsh as well but I don't think we have a set in stone you know 1-6-7 for the future 
And I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing having lots of options. I mean, a couple of years, like, you know, two years ago, it was like, okay, it's... Boyd was fine there, by the way. It's Boyd, Milford, and I guess it's Nick Arima because we have nothing else. <laughs> I'd rather at least have options. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, right by the way, I'm worried about time on the podcast, Simo. Here we are, yeah, an hour and ten. ten minutes later. <laughs> we yeah. need to do a podcast It's just questions. Just a mailbag yeah. episode. Wait, you, you and your question time. You love it on Boom Rookies. You want to do it on here. There's only so many times I can answer, what do you think of Seabold? <laughs> what, what, <laughs> what do you think our future halves are? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. What are you, that's it. Only so many times I can answer that, mate. That was what? We were at 35, so 20, uh, 35 minutes of questions. That's half the show. That's, that's it. Good. We can talk crap, mate. I think um, about 10 of that was NFL Fantasy too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, well, we're at everyone's favourite part of the episode. What's your recommendation yeah. station? I haven't got one. I'm bad you this week. Oh, mate. You well, go. I've got one. one. I think I think I'm like an episode or two behind on this podcast at the moment, but... Um, and I think a lot of Broncos fans would enjoy this. Like I've talked to you about this and stuff, but uh, Rugby League Digest is doing like a good a full series on the Super League War. Um, I've done a bit of driving the last few days at work, so I've got to catch up on a few of theirs. Been listening to that, but yeah, I, I've been really enjoying it. It's got a lot of Broncos chat in there because obviously you know, the Broncos were pretty We're like big dogs. We're big dogs. central to the Super League War. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I, it's really interesting, especially like as somebody that started kind of more like watching league in around two thousand and onwards. Like, kind of missed most of this or all of yeah. this. Um, I mean, it's just it's well put together. Like they've done a lot of research and writing for it. It's a lot of history. It's good stuff. So I've been really enjoying that. The, the best thing about that podcast, by the way, is their open mindedness. Yeah, that's like. They've, they've talked about how they felt at the time, and like one of them supported a Super League team, so it was pro Super League, and the other supported an ARL team, so it was like very anti Super League. But like, they just, yeah, like obviously 20 years is gi- it gives some perspective on everything, but they, yeah, they are very, like, they don't just seem like biased or one way just for the sake of being that way. Like, they, they bring up good points for both sides, they talk about both sides. Like, I've, it's been really good and like you don't unless it changes drastically in the next two episodes like from where I'm up to it, they don't like just promote one side and just biasly promote that and like bash the other side like it's it's you know they talk about things like John Rebo would do who was like at the Broncos and like would go to these meetings and be in like the board like as a Broncos representative and like they say like you know the smart things he had to say and do stuff but then like some of the dumb things he would do as well. Like, they're, they're just very good at, like, showing both sides and everything that was going on as far as, like, you know, there's been written about and shown through history. And, I yeah, I've been thoroughly enjoying it. It's been good stuff. And there's a book they've been talking about that I've got to re- get and read. So, you know, maybe that'll be my recommendation station in a couple of weeks. Yeah, look, you, you make some good points. I might jump on board with yours. It's a good recommendation. But, you know, they do actually recognise the importance of, you know, Brisbane and stuff to rugby league. I think this is one of the things that people seem to forget. Like, people get so stuck in the Super League war, you know, tore everything apart. But it's like, without the Super League war, rugby league's not in the financials position it is right now. It hasn't grown like it has right now. The Super League war is what brought us, obviously, not brought us the Broncos, it brought us the, the, the growth in Melbourne and put more focus on having, on having a more national game. But, 
you know, people kind of forget that, like, Brisbane and Warriors, and like, just Broncos and Warriors alone would be, like, account for, like, over 50% of the broadcast deal money. Yeah. And, like, <laughs> you know, people people get mad at, like, oh, the Super League caused me to lose the Bears and, like, the Rabbitohs got kicked out for a bit and, like, this and that team. Like, but, um, yeah, like, they, they mentioned this in the podcast. Like, every person that was in charge of the game leading up to the Super League was, like, there's too many teams in Sydney. We need to remove some of these. Like, everybody saw that, that it had to happen. And yeah. no one really did anything about it until, like, the Super League, like, kind of forced it to happen. So, like, I don't, I don't think this... I mean, I, yeah, I don't think the Super League really did much that wasn't going to happen eventually. It was... Th- that was going to ha- just have to happen at some point. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Like, and, and, it, and it did force some hard decisions, but as we know right now, we're talking about relocation again, and people are so bloody tired in love with their history and all bullshit and emotion. It's like... That's just not how things progress. It just isn't how the sport, how the world works. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, don't want to give away, like, all their good points and stuff. So, but yeah, well, definitely yeah. have a listen. I've been thoroughly enjoying it. Yeah, it's it's definitely a great podcast. And it's one of those things, I'm, I'm, for me, it's one of those podcasts I actually can't listen to casually, if you get me, because I actually want to, like, you know, when I go to work every day, I listen to a podcast casually that'll be like, I'll tune in and out a bit as I look around, read my phone or whatever. But their podcast is one of the ones I actually, like, sit down and listen to. Yeah. There's a bit of a difference about it, because I actually want to hear the information. But, yeah. That, that, that's it then that, that's our podcast I think we're done right <laughs> yeah well I'm done but, uh, no recommendations yeah I failed right I cool no, I'll catch us later see you later everybody hey hey we're the Broncos the mighty Broncos we keep fighting every second till the end we're the Broncos the greatest team on earth we're the Serves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 